Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. I have seen and experienced the effects of sin. Now, I also... have seen how insidious, how sneaky and subversive sin is. Any one of you here today, if you were to make the decision, okay, I'm done with you, God. I've had enough. And you turn and you go into Satan's bailiwick. It will never get any better. I've spent a little time in the bars. I, a friend of mine's daughter was excommunicated because she was a little too radical. And I caught her in a bar downtown in Anchorage, Alaska. In a bar. I went in there because she's my sister. I went in there because my God loves her. Now, if you're looking for the bright, bright flash of light, if you're looking for the direct lightning and thunder manifestation of God, cool your jets. The kingdom of God is accomplished one day and one step at a time. I am one decision away from stupid. The next one I make... I'm going to read to you today from Judges 6. Now, as said, having been an ADD child, let me explain a little bit about that. I can have a thought. I can be in hot pursuit of that thought. It is the central thing in front of me. I am consumed with it. And all of a sudden, a thought will pop up. And I'm going that way. I am the king of unfinished sentences and obscure thoughts so when, if, if you get something out of this today, you better know that it'll be God. <laughs> Throughout the Bible, and as we read the Bible, I know that I, I read of the exploits of the men of God or the people of God, and I think of how great And marvelous they are, but if you go back and look in retrospect, they were common, regular, ordinary people. God is not looking for an army clothed in battle gear. He's looking for a man that will get up, maybe to a cold breakfast or rewarmed up coffee, 
and say, this is the day the Lord hath made, and I will be glad in it. couple of weird thoughts. Judges chapter 6, please. And this is talking about the move of God. We all have it planned out. We think we ought to be all prayed up and doctrinated up and all whatever it is and standing here is a bright, shining example of Christendom for God to move. Let me tell you something. He has angels with flaming swords and with burning spears to do his will. But what he looks for and what he cries for even from the day in the garden is the heart of man that will call unto him and walk with him in the cool of the day. And if you fall, he's right there to lift you up. Judges chapter 6. Could get weird, folks. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hand of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. And whenever the Israelites planted their crops. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded the country. Some of you, your planting, Christianity, is in its young stages. And some of you, you're more mature. But I'm going to tell you something. Just as these Israelites tilled that ground and planted that seed and awaited the harvest to keep them alive, these dirty, rotten scoundrels that we read about, they watched the time also. And just as their plants would come into fruition and they could receive something, as it were, a blessing, the enemy would come. And just overwhelm them just by sheer number. When you get ready for a blessing, you're happy go lucky. You're walking down the street of life. You don't even know about it, but God's getting ready to bless you. That's when the enemy comes in and covers you up. Do not give up. Be relentless. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. Having 
lived a pretty full life, a pretty adventuresome as a young man. I was a constructor of high-rise buildings. I have walked iron where that right here was the iron and right there was 52 floors. I've been close to death as many of you have. But that's not the glory. I met the Lord, my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And though my troubles were around me like the Midianites, I realized that I had to have the Lord. God's moving. He's moving here today. God's moving over the face of this nation. The first part of the chapter 6 almost typifies our nation now. We are in distress. We have things that appear to be normal that are perverted. In Canada, they're locking the churches. In America, just about as bad. Word of wisdom. You're going to cry out to God either through joy and glory and graciousness in his presence or you're going to be so sin sick that you will say, oh God, oh God, help me. The group that I grew up in, <coughs> there were several of us young men. There was a couple in our church, a little bare bones Pentecostal church on a dirt road out in the country. They could kneel and pray. And the power visible to me, the power of the Holy Ghost would fall upon them and they would be prophesying, rightly so, ready to preach the next week and then the third week they were gone. Everything I've got from God, I have had to fight for. It don't come easy, but it makes it that much sweeter. Back to Gideon. Did God smite the leaders of that country at that time? They still had kings, they still had warriors, but they could not come together. Going on down. When the Israelites cried unto the Lord. By the way, you have heard the story of Moses leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. Because he heard their cry and they were not crying hallelujah. Their load and their oppression was so heavy that they were groaning and crying out to God. Yet he still. Even in light of chapter 1. Verse 1 here in chapter 6. Even in you and I today. Though we be encompassed about. With those that does not have our best interest at heart. He has a way. And I have found to my regret. That you cannot bull your way through it. You cannot fight your way through it. 
But the most effective defensive weapon that you have is to fall to your knees and say, Jesus, I'm in trouble. Come and get me. Come and get me. The leaders of this nation, Israelite, was not smitten with stupid. They were not put out of commission. But I think in this particular instance, the overwhelming greatness of the problem and apathy So God looked around. Now, if I want a moose, I'm going to have to get me a weapon, right? And I'm going to have to go where the moosey go. It would be inappropriate for me to go get me a halibut rod and a treble hook and go out here in the woods and catch a moose coming along and sling that hook out there and hook him. I think the fight would be on. So let's look a little bit at Gideon. Oh, by the way, verse 7, chapter 6, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord, because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. He didn't send them lightning. He didn't send them flood. He didn't send them plague. God has a prophet. They might not look like a prophet. But in this congregate gathering, as we pray and weep for you, we pray for this congregation every night. God will give you a word. Verse 11, the angel of the Lord. Now, I'm kind of a funny guy. I'm a, I'm a real mechanical kind of guy. I'm not too much into the... You tell me something, I want to know, well, what, what did you have here? What were you driving? Were you walking? How fast were you walking? What kind of shoes did you have on? Because all this makes sense. If you're telling me that you're out in the woods trying to hike with a pair of spiked heels on that you got from your wife, it ain't going to work. <laughs> the angel of the Lord, here's Gideon. There's a guy. He's a little slow. I probably was slower. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abazirite where his son Gideon was threshing wheat. Nothing wrong with threshing wheat. In a wine press though, he was so pressed against that he used the treble hook on the moose. Everybody knows you make wine in the wine press.
There he was threshing wheat in a wine press. This is a picture of abject humiliation. When the angel of the Lord appeared unto Gideon, verse 12, he said, The Lord is with you, O mighty warrior. Who are you talking to, sucker? He didn't feel like a warrior. He didn't look like a warrior. Neither do you, neither do I. But he, as we, had the ability to say, Oh, Lord. My God, have your way. God doesn't want you to be something else. God doesn't want you to be high and lifted up or low and depressed. God wants you to be you and enjoy the day and have the fun thereof. Amen? It goes on down. It tells about how that he realized, hey, wait a minute. That was a holy man. Oh, I got to give something. God don't want your money. It's good to give it to him. God wants your heart. Because if he's got your heart, he's got your money. Angelic being. Oh, mighty man of God. Weak, frail human. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Nanny, nanny. Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord hadn't moved an inch. He was right there waiting to move upon them. He's right here waiting to move upon you and to make you feel good and to give you knowledge and wisdom and health and wealth and happiness. So, once he realizes that this is a man of God, he says, I better fix him some popcorn. <coughs> so he goes and kills the beast and cooks it. Right there. And he brings out the beast with the broth to give it to the holy man. Things don't always go the way you expect them to. But the holy man said, oh, thank you for cooking me this meal. He was, not, he was not dishonoring it in any way. But he said, put it on that rock over there. Now, it's already been cooked. Kind of like leftover, but it wasn't leftovers. He put the rock, put the the meat and the broth on the rock. And not from heaven, not from the east, not from the west, and not from the north, and not from the south, but right out of that rock arose a flame. 
and literally consumed the offering. Gideon's kind of like me. He's just out there. Whoa, wait a minute. This is pretty heavy. We're, we're like that a lot. I am. Every time I smack my hand or bump my head, I say, yes, Lord, what did I miss? <laughs> I've come up in Christ through the school of hard knocks. The school colors are black and blue. And the school cry is, ouch! This all ties in back to verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have. God does not require something of you beyond what you can do. As I mentioned earlier, God does not require that there be an army fully equipped with laser beam weapons rocket launchers or whatever, God calls a person. He has called you. Hi. Not only did he snivel, said, but now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hands of Midian. Don't go to sleep now. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I, the most important thing in that sentence was I, I, the Lord God, am sending you. But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. <coughs> the Lord answered, I will be with you and strike down the Midianites as if they were but one man. Then we get into the fleecing. I won't get into that. He doubted God. I mean, let's stop and look at this man. Here he is, down in the wine press, hidden out of sight, cracking wheat to make bread, to live another day, and a man suddenly appears, fire comes out of the rock, all the bells and whistles. I can't do it, God. It's a task greater than I can do. If God were to appear to you right now, it would scare you to death. Almost every occasion where the angelic beings of God come before the natural men, one of the first things they say, come on, now shut up, get up and face me. You're not going to die. Moving on. At the same time, 
God is preparing someone somewhere to do something. So there's a little potter somewhere in this area and he is making pictures. And he, just let me let me wander a little bit as a, as as I am wont to do. I'm just going to go make me and my family a couple of pictures. And he sits down at the wheel, and all of a sudden he can't get up. He's having a good time. He's loving these pictures, and he makes three or four hundred of them. Now another message out of this. There's about 27 messages tied up in these verses, but I won't, I won't bother you. I only need three or four hours. So he get, blows the trumpet, and it's as, it's as though those round about him were awakened out of a stupor. Maybe they hadn't realized, well, I don't want to be political. I don't want to ruffle the feathers. All this, all that. 3,000 men. Or was it 30,000? Yeah. Just check and make sure you're awake. We used to attend, as, a, as an aside, we lived on the far east side of Dallas, Texas. We had no children at the time. We have one child now. And uh, we would drive completely over to the far west side of Dallas, Oak Cliff, to attend services at Faye A. Spencer's Revival Tabernacle Church seven nights a week and three times on Sunday. We had miracle chair night where they would pray and anoint the chair and you would sit on. We had red string night like the red cord of of uh, Jezebel. No, it wasn't Jezebel. It was a... Anyway, like the red cord in the Old Testament. People were tied around their waist to lose weight. One woman was a kind of a smart aleck. She said, maybe they put it around their jaw and tied their mouth shut. They'd lose a little weight. <laughs> but if he caught you sleeping, he'd pull off his shoe and throw it at you. <laughs> so don't make me... Now, we've all heard of how the people was reduced from 30,000 down to 10. There's another message in that, remnant theology. The bigger the crowd, the further the, they are the way from God. If you look, he always saves just the people. Anyway, Chapter 7. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that was a nickname because he had torn down the altar to Baal, and all of his men camped at the spring of Herod. In the Thompson Chain reference, and in the Strong's Concordance, there's a correlation. And in the Strong's Concordance, which is a good study tool, if you haven't used one, the word Herod 
H-A-R-O-D, comes up with a number, 5878. And you go there, and it says it was a fountain or a place of trembling. So I don't know if the entire fountain shook, if the ground shook, or if there was a sense of foreboding amongst all who went there. I've, I've been in places that gives me the creeps before. There's some places, mm -hmm, that's a nice place, but I ain't going back. Where's the first place? They had to go. It was a place of fear. All of his men camped at Harrod. Face your fears. They overcame their fears right there. God wants you to overcome your fears. Perfect love casts out fear. The love of God. Verse 4, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will sift them for you. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. Now, we've gone through all this. We haven't even faced the enemy. Watch me, follow my lead. Verse 17, God's moving. He's moving on the pottery maker, making the pictures. He's moving upon the Midianites. He's even talking to them because they're having a dream saying, oh, something's going on here. You're not going to surprise Satan when you resist him. You're not just going to say, I'm a child of God and you've got to get back. That is true. But he might not say, might not get back. So nonetheless, let me draw you a verbal picture here. You have a high valley, and above the valley are mountain peaks on each side because there's got to be something higher to make it a valley, right? Gideon says, boys, Do as I do. Pastor Vic, Pastor Mark, and others are saying every day, do as I do. Oh, but there's been so many preachers fall. Yeah, but God's lifted up so many. I need to stop and give you Three minutes on the picture. In the Old Testament, the Judaic law, there was a difference in vessels. If a vessel was made on the wheel, and what they're doing there, when you put a, when you put a vessel on a wheel or when you make a pottery, you are al aligning the structural elements and the things in that vessel 
all in one direction. If you make it and immediately use it, it is called a greenware. Or you can coat it inside and out and put it in a furnace and it will then be sealed. And in the Old Testament that I'm talking about, there were rules that if you had a sodden bowl, a regular greenware bowl and some dead animal or some dead creature or something vile got into it, no matter how valuable it was to you, it was immediately to be broken because that detriment, that sin, let's call it sin, could leach into the pores. And if it can leach into, it can leach out of, thereby poisoning you. So that is where the, the, the process of firing your your earthenware, which is a symbol of the Holy Ghost. So if you're fired, you're in a sense of the word sealed. Not that you can't be stupid, but you're sealed. So I can't help but believe that all 301 pictures were similar in construction. I can't help but believe this is type and shadow here the vessel fired by the Holy Ghost which makes it far more strong far more usable easier to clean is a pattern of us and the Holy Ghost and the presence of God. And as Gideon prepared for battle, they put the light, the fire which symbolizes God, into the pitcher. But you couldn't see it. You don't have to be a Bible-thumping, Scripture-quoting, I walk on water. I got great faith. I can only do it. November, December, January, February, so on and so forth, when it's frozen. I don't try walking on water in April or May. So the light goes in the vessel. He tells the guys, get ready to do what I do. <coughs> it's almost midnight. The majority of the troops are sleeping. And they slowly wind their way up. A hundred here, a hundred there, and a hundred here. He broke them up into three companies. By the way, this is historically the first use of flashbang. So they get up there on the mountain. Amazingly, God's going to call you. Your journey means overcoming your fear. 
Many of you have suffered rejections. Many of you bear about in your body as I bear about in mine wounds of the Spirit. Now I can either let it fester and I can let it grow and I can let it be angry with me or I can just let God touch it. Judges 7, 19. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard, and they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hand. I would have expected if I was on a mountaintop with the valley innumerable enemy down below, I would have wanted a whiz-bang, laser-sided, double throw down killing machine. But God doesn't equip us with that many times. He equips you with what's at hand, what you got. God didn't save you for what you can be. God saved you for who you are. God wants to help you. God wants to take your hand. God wants to make you strong and that you can do exploits. I'm going to tell you something. My hero is the man and woman that gets up. They're fighting the youngins all the way through. They're late. The car's out of gas. And they go to church anyway. Gideon and the hundred men reached the edge of the camp. 30, no, 19. At the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard, they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left hand and holding in their right hand a sword. No, 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 wait a minute. Trumpet? Trumpet? However, I can see the wisdom of the situation. How about 300 rough, tangled, mean guys with no musical accomplishment whatsoever blowing on the trumpet? And you talk about an unholy noise, or actually a holy noise. Flash bang. I want to talk to you a little bit about the picture. I believe I can be corrected that the pictures were similar in construction. I believe they had a wide mouth, I believe they had a handle. Now, after the little tutorial on the firing of the pottery, I believe that they were incised. There was a mark left on them to facilitate the breaking so that all 301 people, when they broke that pitcher, the handle remained with the base and they could lift up the light. It wouldn't have done any good if they had broke that pitcher and it would have fallen to the ground and the light be extinguished. Don't let Satan extinguish your light through your own poor decisions. That racket so discomfited the enemy that they arose and slew themselves. 
key factor being Gideon and the 300 were where they were supposed to be. And we have an appointment with you even every Sunday. Come, let us help you. And if you don't need any help, come and help somebody else. Because you're called to pour out. You're called to let your light shine. You're called to be an overcomer. I believe, Mark, that if you were to research this, if you were to research this battle site and you were to go there and you were to dig down, I don't know if you'd find the trumpets, but I know you'd find lots of pottery shards. I got to tell you a story. My wife cautioned me not to joke too much. But the lady was in church. It had started out a small family church where you were free to express yourself. I love the flags. Express yourself. And she was very vocal. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But as time went, the church became more prosperous and more developed and more refined. She was still stuck in, amen, hallelujah. So after a particular vocal Sunday, the preacher got her to one side. And he says, Sister Rose, we know that you are joyous. But I need to explain, because he had just preached on the Red Sea, crossing of the Red Sea. I know that you think that God did a big miracle there. But he didn't really. As records show, they crossed not the Red Sea, but the Reed Sea. So you can be a little quieter and not be so joyous and so effusive in your praise. She just starts, oh God, thank you Jesus, the Reed Sea, praise God. It's only three feet deep and God drowned all of Pharaoh's army in three feet of water. You are the Gideon for today. God has a spot for you. It might be in the kitchen. I've never known too many people to love the job that they have. I was an elder at Abbott Luke Christian Center. We had 2,000 members. We had people come and say, pray, oh, pray that I get a job on the slope so I can make some money and get out of this problem that I'm in. And they would be delivered. They'd go to work. They'd get country rich. About a year later, we'd be counseling them. I want to quit my job because they're profane. They're bad boys. They're ugly and they treat me mean. Let me tell you something. God's not going to put you where you're not needed. 
by the way, for hundreds of years it was debated. That's a southern word, debated. Whether or not it was actually a crossing of the Red Sea until the advent of technology and some individual took a camera right in the middle of the Red Sea and stuck it under the water. And you know what? From one side to the next, there was broken wheels and pieces of detriment that showed clearly that God had delivered his people. God's here to, de to deliver you today. Now, I got to tell this joke. Tell my wife I didn't tell it. No, you can't do that. There was a woman, had a child. She doted upon the child. Her and the husband were away from God. But she would get up and send her son to Sunday school. So he came home one Sunday. She's checking on him. See, she wanted to make sure he was getting the good word. What did they teach you today? Oh, Mom, it was marvelous. Moses and his band of gorillas were escaping Egypt. And they fought all the way across the desert. And they came to the Red Sea. And he got on his telephone. And he called the Air Force. And they came and dropped amphibious bridges across the water. And Moses and his men fought back with machine guns, that, 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 so on and so forth. And they go all the way across. But woe and behold, all of a sudden, Israel, the Egyptians and their chariots came up on the bridges. So Moses, in his quick thinking moment, got on his telephone and said, Air Force, destroy the bridges. And they bombed the bridges. And Pharaoh and his army was defeated. The mother looked at him. Now, did they really tell you that? He said, Mom, if I told it to you like they told it to me, you would not believe it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.